This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling? I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And my hope is that we bring you insightful conversations that encourage you and help you feel a little bit less alone in your parenting. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Beam. I don't know about you all, but as soon as I had kids for the past nine years, I have struggled with my sleep a little bit and it's frustrating. I think the most frustrating thing is when you can't sleep and all your kids are sleeping and you're laying there thinking, they're all asleep, why can't I sleep? Well, I have found a nightly ritual that has helped me greatly drift off to sleep and that is the Dream Blend. This is a bedtime blend of sleep enhancing vitamins, minerals, nano hemp and more. When mixed with warm milk or hot water, it makes a guilt-free, sleep-inducing, delicious cup of cocoa. I usually steam some hot water, pour that in, and just add like a dash of milk, and it is such a delicious treat to end the day with, and it helps relax me for the night. Beam also has an amazing hydration line if you're someone who works out and is looking to rehydrate and replenish those electrolytes. They actually have three blends in their hydration line. They have a balanced probiotic blend, which you could just take every day. They have an energy blend, which you would take before a workout if you wanted a little extra zing. And they also have a recovery blend, which I love the most. It has this fresh lemon taste. It's so good after a big workout or when you've been out sweating. It's like, yes, let's replenish those electrolytes and rehydrate after a workout. Um, So you all can save. Beam is offering listeners of the show 15% off. Go to beamorganics.com and use the code Lindsay15. That's Lindsay15 for 15% off your order. That's beamorganics.org and use the code Lindsay15. All right, friends. Today's episode is episode 52 and my guest is Lindsay Garrett. Lindsay is a licensed clinical social worker and writer. She's worked with parents and pre-parents in the world of adoption for the past 10 years, focusing on preparing parents to be ready to have kids. In this episode of the podcast, we focus specifically on choosing methods of discipline for your family, choosing your family mission statement and values, and creating a plan for your own family that is unique, that works for you because we're all different, and there's no one way to do this. Lindsay gave some really great advice. I was really thankful for this conversation, and I hope that you get as much out of it as I did. If you do love this show, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and give us a follow on social media. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling on social media. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Lindsay. Today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Lindsay Garrett, who is a licensed clinical social worker on the show. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. 
Today, we have so many great topics to cover, but first, can you just share with us how you decided you wanted to become a social worker and what you focus on with your job? Yes. Uh, I decided that I wanted to become a social worker when I was a senior in high school, I guess. I originally, I've always been interested in psychology and I was heading into college thinking that I would major in psychology and I ended up talking with a therapist during that year of high school and she was asking me what I wanted to do. And I told her that basically I want to do what you want to do, what you do. And she said, well, you know, I'm a social worker. Like I don't have a psychology degree. And she explained that psychology was a little more research based kind of behind the scenes doing studies and that social work was more hands-on and actually working with people and interacting. And I thought, that sounds good. I think I'll do that. (laughs) And so I got my bachelor's in social work and then I went on to get my master's uh, because it just provided more opportunities. And I was so glad when I hit my master's program, I was so glad that I ended up majoring in social work because like 80% of the people in my master's program were people with a bachelor's in psychology who could find a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of what led me there. And then I did my master's level internship at an adoption agency called the Gladney Center for Adoption. And I have been working there ever since I graduated. I've shifted roles every couple of years, but uh, have been working in adoption for uh, about 10 years now. Okay, so yeah, you work with parents who are preparing to become mom and dad or parents. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, through adoption. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that looks like. It is different depending on what type of adoption you're doing, but in general, it's a ton of paperwork. Can I forgot to ask, can I curse on your podcast? Yeah, you can. Okay, it's a shit ton of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's always training involved to some extent. So most of the families I work with are typically adopting older kids, either internationally or from foster care. So we, they have to go through hours and hours of training on all sorts of different topics, but we focus a lot on trauma and how trauma affects kiddos, uh, attachment, how children attach, the mental health things that they may come with, and the types of parenting that work with children who've been through trauma. Um, Often what we would call traditional parenting that is a lot of like consequence behavior, like fear-based parenting just doesn't work very well with those kids. Uh, It can be really triggering for them. And so if that's the type of parenting that a lot of us grew up with or we have parents who are already parenting and that works with their biological kids. And then they hit this new child and it doesn't work. We talk about new ways of doing that. I find that fascinating because if that does not work for kids who have had significant trauma in their life, I wonder what changes we could make also for kids who haven't had significant trauma Mm -hmm. in their life. Um, to maybe do it better. And I've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast 
like how we were parented affects our parenting. And, you know, I think that we've all heard this line from parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles like, well, we did it that way and it worked out just fine, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. our generation, like us as parents, I think have been working to find a new way to do this. You mentioned fear-based and sometimes it's really hard not to do pull the whole line to your kids of, if you don't do this, you're going to get this or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And I've really been trying to reshape my way of of those kinds of things, how I communicate, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and all that. So I'm curious in your line of work, you're a parent yourself. You have two kids, mm-hmm. biological kids. Yeah. Do you apply those techniques and strategies that you teach to adoptive parents who might be bringing in children into into the home who have suffered trauma? Do you apply some of that to your own parenting, even though your kids haven't been through trauma? Yes, uh, I apply. uh, That's how I parent. (laughs) Uh, And it's very interesting that you talk about the generational shift because I've been teaching this to parents who are preparing for a child with trauma for 10 years. And 10 years ago, this was different and new and not very well known. But now it's, I feel like it's seeped into the mainstream, what we would call connected parenting or like relationship-based parenting, or there's a ton of respectful parenting. There's a ton of names for it. Positive parenting. Uh, Yes. is just kind of how, how our generation is shifting, I think as millennial parents, And some of that, I think, is just wanting to do things differently. Some of that, I think, is because we are, we feel a lot of pressure as parents to do things really well. Uh, And some of that is the research. We have learned new things about how the brain develops, about how our relationship with our kids affects them, about how uh, the effects of like fear-based parenting and corporal punishment about how the brain interprets that. And, you know, the Maya Angelou quote of when you know better, you do better. Like we're knowing more. And so our strategies are shifting because of that. So I would say I use, I wouldn't say all because, you know, you, you use what works day in the day. Right, right, right. But I use most of the methods that we talk about with our parents, with my own kids. And that's actually been something that's been really cool. As I became a parent, it made it so much easier to relate to the clients I work with, of the struggles and the fears and the strategies that I use uh, with my kids saying like, I do this and it works (laughs) versus, you know, the research says. Yeah. (laughs) What, what are some of those methods? I don't know if it, there's an easy way to break them down or what? Oh man, I could talk about this all day. Um, I would say some of the biggest things that we do at my house that we also, that I also teach parents is focusing on emotions and the value of emotions of naming what's going on for your kids of teaching them about the different emotions, because often when our kids are having uh, what traditional parenting would call tantrum, um, what I would call meltdown, or even being dysregulated, their bodies, you know, out of sync. 
and they're overwhelmed, it's usually paired with a big emotion. And especially if we're talking about um, small children, uh, I mean, I have a three-year-old, so that is the year of big emotion. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They don't, their brains and their bodies haven't learned how to process those things yet. So we have to kind of come alongside them and teach them how and name these things because when they're just experiencing it and they don't know what's going on, it can be really scary. And so focusing on emotions, naming emotions, validating the emotion, even if the behavior is not acceptable, the emotion always is. So doing a lot of teaching and naming in that. And then I would say another thing that we do a lot in my house is sharing, finding ways to share control with our kids. They, you know, thinking about the life of a child, (laughs) you know, they get told what to wear, they get told what to eat, they get told all day long at school, they have to follow directions, they get told what time to do things, they have so little control over their lives. And I know as an adult, I like control is the best thing in the world. I love it so much. (laughs) Uh, And so why would that be different for our kids? So finding little ways of sharing control with them of, you know, do you want this or this for a snack? Do you want the pink cup or the blue cup? What do you want to wear today? Like maybe I buy all your clothes, but on a daily basis, you get to pick which ones you want to wear. Uh, Do you want to brush your teeth or put on your pajamas first? Finding those little ways of sharing control, of giving them some ownership over their lives makes it easier when you do have to say, no, this is what we're doing because they've gotten a little bit of that power. Uh, And that can be a really tricky thing for a lot of parents because we're taught that like, I know at least my life growing up was like, you do what I say because I told you to because yep. I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. So taking the time to explain the why behind things or even to like negotiate and compromise with your child can feel really wrong at first. Uh, but underneath it all, one of the things that I like to think about and I tell parents is imagine if your child was an adult. Like imagine if they were your spouse or your best friend or whatever, and you were trying to figure something out together. Like if we were talking to an adult, we would never say, well, just do this because I'm in charge and don't ask questions. Yeah. (laughs) That would be silly. And that adult would not accept that. So why do we expect our children to do that? So that I say would be two big overarching things of like focusing on emotions and naming emotions and managing emotions and then finding ways to share power and control. I love that. Yeah. And I I mean, I have noticed both when I apply both of those things to whatever the situation is with my kids, it ultimately ends up better than had I not applied those things. Um, I'm going to give an example. I, people are going to find on this podcast that I give lots of examples. Um, I'm sure you have many. <laughs> we're doing this every day. Um, this morning, my four-year-old got up throwing a fit that he wanted this persimmon pie that we had last night. He wanted it for breakfast. And so I somehow remained super calm all morning, even though it's been a crazy morning. Well done. (laughs) Yes. I'm applauding myself. I even told my husband, we were just sitting 
um, at the, we're at, we're in Indiana for a funeral. So like th- we traveled from North Carolina, Indiana. So we're like everybody's thrown off, right? If we yes. feel thrown mm-hmm. off, our kids certainly feel thrown off. But anyway, my husband and I were sitting at the dining room table, kind of working together, both doing our own thing, and our kids were kind of all over the house. And he he's like, I feel like everybody's all out of sorts. And I thought he meant me at first. And I was like, wait a minute. I've been so calm all morning. What are you talking about? But then he meant the kids. And we were like, well, look what we've been through the last few days. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the meltdown about the persimmon pie. And I, I named it. I was like, you know, I feel like your sugary foods taste really good. And I understand that you want that. Like I, I would mm-hmm. actually really like to eat persimmon pie right now, too. <laughs> But that's not a good way to start the day that your body won't, it won't provide the right kind of energy that your body needs. And anyway, he went on to make these really annoying animal noises and I kind of walked away <laughs> and we moved on and finally had Cheerios. But I think had I just yelled at him or been like, shut up about the persimmon pie, you know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been validated and feeling that way. Well, if you have persimmon mm-hmm. pie for dinner and you're four, you might wake up thinking about the persimmon pie. So, yeah, yeah, I think that as I've talked to professionals and and been working on this in my own life, I'm seeing the positive results. But it it takes effort, man. It's hard. It does. But I have found that it's you can either do it on the front end or the back end. So in that situation, you could have spent you paused and you validated. He was expressing a need. I feel like I need this. Yeah. It's so good. I want it. Ugh. And you validated that need on the front end. If you didn't just shut him down or said, no, we're not doing that. You can have this. You probably would have gotten a meltdown and you would have spent time dealing with it on the back end. So it's kind of just a toss up. Do I want to try and be more proactive on the front end and do these things in the moment? Or do I want to shut it down, move on, and then I'm more likely to get a meltdown and then I have to deal with that. Totally. But <laughs> I want to spend time doing. And that little story, yes, I'm patting myself on the back. For the listeners, like that's just one example. Like don't think I'm always that calm, cool, and collected because I'm not. But man, I was proud of myself. And then when you act like that and when you respond like that, you should be proud of yourself too. Absolutely. Especially in the morning. If I have <laughs> at least one cup of coffee, I am not a functioning person who is able to talk to anyone. Yeah. Don't ask me for anything before I've had my coffee. Don't even ask me for your breakfast yet. Like I need at least 20 minutes. Um, okay. This is great. So let's shift from, I love those two, those two methods that we talked about. Validating the emotion, sharing control. That's awesome. Um, let's move on to defining what your family mission statement is and how those values can like filter through the rest of your life. Yes. This is something that I actually learned in a training. I do so many trainings, partly because <laughs> I'm just a research nerd, but partly because I don't like to recommend things to parents unless I've actually been through it. So I did a training a few years ago with a therapist and adopted parent named Marshall Lyles. He's a very well-known play therapist in the Austin area in Texas. And one of the things that he introduced in training was having a family mission statement. And the concept of that is similar to an organizational mission statement of basically reflecting on 
what your goal is for your family and your parenting and then having this overarching statement as a guide and then underneath that if you want to get even more specific choosing what your values are for your family and i think this is an exercise that anyone could do at any point in their parenting life but Especially, I think it's helpful for new parents because you're trying to decide, you know, what type of family do we want to be? So your family mission statement could be very general. I came up with something that was something like to be a guide for my child as she discovers, you know, what she loves, who she is, and teach her to, like, grow into a responsible, kind adult, you know, something very general. And then underneath that, choosing values that go along with meeting that big overarching goal of some of ours are, uh, you know, naming and validating emotions, (laughs) or, uh, giving my child space and following her lead in play. So we have a lot of open-ended toys in our house and we give her, uh, we try not to steer her towards things. We kind of just let her explore. And then if she's into something, we'll follow her lead in that. And having a lot of downtime, like letting her be bored. Uh, we try not to over schedule, which is difficult, uh, less difficult in 2020. But, yeah, totally. Uh, so those kind of broken down day to day decisions go back into our family mission statement. And the goal of the family mission statement is really just to give you some direction. So often I think we're caught up in the day to day because we have to be, you know, our kids are always there. They always have needs. It's complicated, especially when you have more than one. But taking a step back and looking at that big picture, like with my parenting, what am I wanting to accomplish? What am I wanting for my children? And then defining that with your partner, if you have a partner, being on the same page and then breaking that big theme down into, okay, on a day-to-day basis, what does that look like? So responsibility is something that we really value. It is in our family mission statement. So that looks like my three-year-old has chores. She picks up her toys. She helps them with the dishwasher. And we will build on that as she gets older. Um, We talk to her about being responsible. Um, We talk to her about being kind to other people. Like those are things that we talk about very often in our family. Uh, It also, I think, really helps not only choose what is important and what you want to focus on, but what is not as important and what you can let go of. So your example about uh, the persimmon pie kind of reminded me of this. One of the things that is not something that we really harp on in my house is food. I, I mean, I want my children to eat and I want them to not eat crap all the time, but I'm not spending a lot of time, you know, dictating what they need to eat or worrying about making sure every single thing is healthy or shopping for all organic things. In some families, that might be really important to you, uh, but for our family, it's not. So that's something, I mean, I still want them to eat and I, if they get one vegetable a day, I feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I'm not standing over my child hovering or even checking to see what she's eating. Uh, And that's something that I can just kind of be a little more flexible on because I know it's not one of my main things that I, that are really, really important to me as a parent. If that makes sense. Like your example, I probably would have been like, you can have a small piece with your Cheerios. Uh, Okay. I like that too. (laughs) Like, also, uh, especially when you're traveling, it's like oh, traveling seriously. rule, like wheels off, whatever gets us through the day, man. Isn't that so? Yeah. I mean, and I could see myself in a different situation doing that as well. And that wouldn't have been wrong, which is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the other things we want to hit on today is like, just because it's right for you doesn't mean it's right for someone else and vice versa. Absolutely. There's so much comparison with our parenting generation. And that's where I think a a mission statement can really help because you can filter out. We see on social media, like somebody does this, we see, um, you know, our friend does this and, you know, we have, would experience the same situation. We might handle it two different ways. And if it works for us and for our kid, then it's fine. And it might be completely different. So your mission statement can really help you filter out those things because I think so often we hear somebody else doing something differently or we see things on social media or somebody's trying to sell us something and we think, oh God, maybe I need to do it this way. Uh, We are kind of wired and our generation takes parenting, I think, so personally and makes it such a part of our identity that we automatically think if someone is doing differently doing it differently, that means that we're doing it wrong. But it it doesn't. If it works for you and your family, then it's not wrong. Totally. <laughs> as long as nobody's getting hurt. <laughs> so I, I think the mission statement and your values can kind of be your guiding light of when you start questioning, because we all do it. Start questioning, should I be doing it this way? Or that person does it that way? Or comparing yourself, this can be your guidepost to go back to. I'm like, no, I'm aligned with what my values are. This is meeting the overarching theme that I want and my goals for my family and my kids. And if it's working, I don't have to change it just because someone else is doing it that way. I love that so much. And I love the example of the food for you because you will see other parents on Instagram or wherever it is with these like intricate fancy dinners every night and very scheduled dinners and things like that. And it might get you into this trap where you're thinking like, I'm, I'm messing this all up. I'm doing it all wrong. But like maybe something that's really important to you isn't really important to them. And you're doing this other thing. I don't know if well is the right word, but like right for your family. And maybe they don't focus on that for their family. And you just don't know that because they're not talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, food is such a hot topic, I think, in the parenting world. But I mean, there are some people that love to cook. I don't love to cook. I cook <laughs> That's because okay. I like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and the cooking is what you have to do to get to the eating. Yes. <laughs> but if you're into that, then go for it, man. Hey, friends, a quick break here to thank Beam for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for a relaxing, delicious way to end your evening, look no further than their dream blend. It has sleep enhancing vitamins and minerals, nano CBD, just enough to relax you for the night. I've been taking this every night with hot steamy water and a splash of milk. And it is such a relaxing way to end the day. They also have a delicious hydration line. You do not want to sleep on that. 
sleep with the dream blend, but don't sleep on the hydration line. Check out their recovery blend. It has the most refreshing lemon flavor and it feels so good to replenish those electrolytes after a big workout. Go to Beam, that's B-E-A-M as in mom, organics.com and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout. That's beamorganics.com and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout. Okay, I love it, I love it, I love it. Let's talk about how we were parented and how that affects the way we parent today. We touched on it a little bit, but I think Mm -hmm. it would be important to cover how our emotions are associated with that and what we bring into you know, our lives now because of how we are parented. Yes. I think this is one of the most important things for parents to know before they become parents. And then honestly, me time, uh, how we were parented is how we're going to parent from our gut. If you think about I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'm terrible explaining it because I'm not a neuroscientist. But basically, <laughs> when something happens over and over to you, it hardwires a connection in your brain. It's why if you're playing an instrument, you practice over and over and over and over and over until you can just do it. And our experience as children of how we were parented in our relationships with our parents or whoever our primary caregivers were that happens over and over and over and over and over how we were disciplined, how we were shown love, how we learned to behave, how we learned to make our parents proud. All of those things that happen over and over and over and over and over are hardwired in our brains and our bodies. So even if you don't have children, you have kind of a gut parenting style. If you think about if you're walking through target and you see some kid having a meltdown on out four you have a reaction to that. You have thoughts in your head, yep. you have an opinion about it, or if you're on an airplane and there's a baby crying behind you, like you have a reaction to that, even if you don't have children. And that's really, really important to be aware of because for some of us that our parents may have been great. Maybe they were really good at validating our emotions and maybe they were very good at uh, making us feel like they were proud of us no matter what. And maybe they were very connected with us and valued our relationship, but maybe they weren't. (laughs) Maybe we had a parent that worked all the time and was never there. Or maybe we were communicated that education was really important. And our parents harped on our grades. And through that, we learned that achieving was the way to get love and make our parents proud of us. Or maybe our we grew up in a family that didn't talk about feelings. And so when you had feelings, it it you were just alone. Or you were told to go to your room and come back out when you could be a happy person <laughs> and around everybody again. And... Those are experiences that we're going to bring to our parenting because we do what we know. 
And often what's tricky about this is often we don't even know that it's there until we have kids. Yes. And they do something and we open our mouths and our mom or our dad comes out <laughs> and we're like, whoa, where did that come from? So reflecting on how we were parented and then bringing that into how it affects our parenting, because it absolutely does, is important because if how we were parented is how we want to parent, great. But for a lot of us, how we were parented is not how we want to parent. I'll use myself as an example. So I grew up in a household where negative emotions were just like not a thing that we talked about or really expressed. Uh, it wasn't a full on like waspy, like we just don't talk about anything, <laughs> but it's very much a, you know, little bit of a rub some dirt on it, like suck it up, you're fine. Or, you know, uh, you, you can go to your room and come out when you pulled yourself together. So I struggle with negative emotions as an adult. And I have had to actually learn how to be comfortable with them because I don't want my kids to have the same struggles that I do now. And that took a lot of practice because my instinct, because that's the way I grew up is like, oh, shut it down. Like I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> or even to dismiss the emotion of uh, when my child has a meltdown or is upset of, you know, you're okay. It's okay. You're fine. Like you don't need, or even sometimes stop crying when I know like, that's just how my child is communicating. So I've had to observe those things and learn to catch myself in them and then choose how I want to respond differently. I want to be able to say, oh, you're so upset. You really, you really wanted to do that. And mom told you no, or even just to sit with it. For me, as a person who grew up in a household where messy negative emotions basically weren't safe, uh, it makes me really uncomfortable to just sit there and be with my child as they're having those messy emotions. Uh, and it, it gets better over time. As we, again, as we practice things, our brain learns new ways of doing it. But I have had to unlearn those things because I want to parent differently. And for so many parents, I think that first step of knowing how you were parented and then recognizing your reactions, we don't even do that. So we're blowing up at our kids or we're being triggered by things or we're uh, doing the same things that our parents did to us that maybe weren't helpful for us or we didn't like and we don't even know it. You know, I'm always curious about this because I you know, have been like researching positive parenting and things like that for years. And there's this also this school of thought of people who are like, they think that when we parent like that, that we're just being super soft and like, you know what I mean? And they'll say, oh, the kid needs to know who's in charge and all these things. And I have really struggled as I try to kind of live the positive parenting, recognize your emotions life mm -hmm. of finding, I don't know if balance is the right word, but like a balance between that and making sure that my kids don't walk all over me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I've talked about this a million times on the podcast and like, you know, I don't want people to judge me because they think that my kids own me and blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. sometimes I do feel like I need to be a little more firm. And one of the mm -hmm. reoccurring guests I've had on the show, Wendy Snyder, she talks about being firm and kind. 
I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Like when people question, like we give kids too much control these days and we're kind of like dancing on the flower bed with their emotions and you know, that kind of thing. Like what is your yeah. response to that? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to unpack that a little bit. What makes you feel like you have to be more firm? Well, I think that like when my kid is having a meltdown or things, you know, or I give in to something or, you know, I, I really struggle with people judging that I am not like, you know, I can't believe she just let him talk to her that way. That's one of the big things. Or I can't believe he just did what she told him not to do. And there's not a bigger consequence, things like Mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, well, should there be a bigger consequence? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm hearing you. I'm going to go all therapist. (laughs) I'm hearing you say that how others may perceive your parenting or your maybe fear of being judged by others sometimes makes you feel like you need to be more heavy handed or uh, structured or even maybe even punish your kids more. That and my fear that they'll do it again. Like don't go past that stop sign on your bike without me five-year-old rolls on through that kind of stuff like and then we have a talk about it like my and I say like my job as your parent is to keep you safe that is the reason that is my number one job is to make sure you are safe that is the reason we had that rule and you disobeyed that rule and if there's not like a harsher consequence than me just like explaining that to them that's what I worry about you know what I mean yes that I'm glad you gave me an example because that's easier to like if you're talking about a specific situation. So I would say that connected parenting or respectful parenting or whatever you want to call it is is more of a both and than an either or. So you're going to set the limit or the boundary and explain the reason behind it. And then if your five-year-old goes through the stop sign again, you may set a stronger boundary of we're going to have to be done riding our bike for the day because I need you to be safe and and you're not able to be safe right now. And then you're going to get a meltdown, obviously. (laughs) And so it's setting the stronger boundary and setting the limit. That's also, you could call that a consequence. The consequence is we can't ride our bike anymore because we're not able to be safe. And, and then validating the emotion. I know it's so hard when you, when you can't ride your bike, you really wanted to keep riding and mom had to say no, uh, that that's really frustrating. It's more of a both and than an either or. No, I like that. And I, and I think that that's part laziness on my part and probably other people listening (laughs) too, because you want him to keep riding his bike because it's more, it's easier for you when he can ride his bike Yes, because he's having fun and he's entertained. I think that's one of the things that is very difficult about connected parenting is it takes effort and creativity. Yes. And when we're tired, (laughs) we just don't want to deal with it. Right. We just want to be like, just do the thing, whatever I can make you do, say to do the thing. Yeah. Just do what I say. Oh my God. Totally. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think I've gotten better with the fear of the judgment of other people. And I think as I, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I say, I say this over and over and over again, but maybe there are new people here. It's like, 
those people that are might see how you react to a situation on the playground have no idea what you are talking about with your kids when you get home. Because mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of those like conversations that have to happen after the fact when the heat of the moment is not happening, when it's not mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment, that's where I see like a lot of reconsideration, especially with my bigger kids. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I understand. But if I'm like trying to get it at them right as it's happening, they're just like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not listening, you know? So mm-hmm. nobody knows what your bedtime conversations are and things like that. Yeah. They don't know your life. Exactly. You don't know me. <laughs> I also think about in those moments when my child is not complying, I try to reframe that. And this is just something I've used that's helped me personally of we are practicing this right now. Yeah. Like humans do not get things right the first time. It takes practice. So we're practicing being safe when we ride our bikes. We're practicing putting our dishes away after dinner. We're practicing picking up our toys at the end of the day. And that means that you're not going to do it right every time. (laughs) But it also means that you keep practicing. You keep doing it. And that is something that I say to myself. And honestly, have even said to other people who have observed my children, that has helped me have a little more grace for that of, okay, they didn't do it this time, but we're practicing this. Like we don't have it down yet. Okay. I'm curious what your response is as a parent. And I know that your oldest is still pretty young, but like, Mm -hmm. what is your plan also going forward if your kid just straight up refuses to clean up his toys? Oh, we tried several different things. (laughs) We definitely went through that. Um, And I think you just have to pivot and figure out what works in the moment. Um, We have done, let's see, I've put on music. Oh, that's a good idea. And we've cleaned to music. I've, um, we have realized um, that picking up right before bedtime did not work. No, no. Because we were all tired and ornery. Um, So we started picking up right after dinner. We changed the time. Um, and we try to make it, um, my kiddo has really gotten into the cosmic kids yoga videos. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes to do one before bed. Um, so we've made it like pick up and then you can do your yoga. Oh, so fun. kind of an incentive of like, you do this thing that I know you don't really want to do. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we even went so far, this is a little more of what, um, would have happened to me as a kid, but honestly it worked for a while. So we <laughs> did it. <laughs> of, uh, well, you can, you can choose not to pick up your toys, but any of the things that are still out, we're going to put them away for a day and you don't get to play with them again. And so like, she still gets to pick. And then the next day when she can't find that thing, well, remember you decided that you didn't want to pick that up. So now we don't have it to play with. And then it comes out the next day. So, but again, it's about creativity. It's what works for your kids. Uh, I know, I know kiddos that I would use that move and they would be like, cool, don't care. And yeah. eventually all their toys would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> Try me again, lady. I, you can uh-huh. keep on going. Um, and honestly, some nights is like, I don't have the energy to wrestle with you on this. So we're just not going to do it. And I'm going to pick them up Yeah, because I just don't feel like it. And that's okay. We're practicing. I- Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I pick up stuff more often than not just because I don't want to deal with it. And sometimes I'm like, man, 
ah, I know I should make them do it, but like I just, I can do it quicker, faster, and better, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, okay, tell us about your book that's coming out, Parent, Parent Goals, The Millennial's Guide to New Parent Preparedness. When I started thinking about becoming a parent, I am a researcher, I'm a preparer, I'm very type A, I want to know all the things before I do a thing. I looked for a book that was, you know, questions to discuss and, you know, things to consider and plans to make and how to basically how to prepare. And it didn't exist. Um, we did something similar when my husband and I got engaged of like marriage prep. There's like a million books of marriage yeah. prep. And I basically wanted that for parenting. But I did a deep dive on the internet and it, nothing, nothing came up with it. And I was lamenting this to uh, my best friend and she was like, you could probably just write that if you wanted to. And I, it started with just a list of questions that I wanted to talk about with my husband and that became an outline and then that became a book. Um, so it really is the book that I wish I had had in exploring what I needed to discuss with my partner and what things I needed to know and kind of what I was getting into before becoming a parent. And it is, it's a little bit of practical stuff, like, you know, preparing for the transition, um, you know, creating a support system. Um, but it's a lot of them, like, underneath, underneath the practical stuff. You know, what happens to your relationship when you have a kid? Um, how are you setting boundaries with your family members in that transition time if you need to? <laughs> Uh, what are your fears around parenting? What are you scared of? Because we all have them. And how are you going to manage those fears? Uh, what is, you know, how were you parented? And how is that going to come into play in your parenting? What sort of discipline do you want to use? Exploring that. What is out there? What, what do you think might work for your family? Um, the family mission statement and values is in there. And then one of the things that I really love how it turned out is I decided to interview other parents. I realized that my experience is just one experience and we all, you know, we all do things differently and come from different backgrounds. And I interviewed about 50 parents, moms and dads. I really wanted to interview dads as well about all of those topics and ask them questions. And I was able to integrate their answers into the different topics, into the different chapters in the book. So it is a combination of a bunch of research in my experience and then what I do with parents in the adoption world, because so much of that is preparing them for what they're about to get into. <laughs> and then also the experiences and advice from other parents who have been there, who um, I stuck to parents who had pretty young kids uh, so that they remembered the time before <laughs> a little better. Yeah. And they were all real parents who were just in the thick of it every day of what worked for them, what their fears were, what their hopes were, the joys that they found in their children with the hopes that even if you may not connect directly to my story, that you might connect with with someone else's experience. How did you find those parents? Uh, a lot of just asking. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, some of them were people I know in my social circle. And then every time I talked with someone, I asked them if they had anyone else that I might be able to talk to. So um, I had a lot of conversations with high school friends and college friends and friends of friends and uh, posted in a couple of different uh, parenting groups I'm in on Facebook and had some lovely people just say that they were interested in speaking to me. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like cold asking, like, Hey, I'm writing this book. Would you talk to me about your parenting experience? I think some of the best projects and books come from like filling the need that you didn't have met. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I just, it's like, you're looking for it. You can't find it. Okay. Well, like I can create it myself and that feels really overwhelming probably at first, but somebody's got to do it. Yes. And that was highly motivating for yeah. me of, um, you know, people, it's like when you have your first kid, people are like, what are you going to have another kid? And you're yeah. like, I just have this one. Thank you. I'm doing this right now. <laughs> I feel like the same things happened with my book. Like people here are publishing a book and they're like, Oh, well, what's your next book going to be? And like, oh, I'm doing this one. This is oh, not man. even out yet. Uh, and it just, that was so motivating for me in writing is it actually helped me explore those things on a deeper level. But I just kept thinking about all of the parents who are probably similarly in my shoes of just wanting something, something to give them a guidepost to tell them what's important and what's not um, to give some idea of what they're about to get into because you, for, I mean, the reality is you don't know until you know, but, to at least attempt <laughs> to prepare for this huge, huge thing that we don't really get any preparation for. I mean, we get more preparation and there are more hoops to jump through for getting a driver's license to drive a car than for taking a baby home from the hospital. It's crazy. So anything I think that can make people feel like they just have some, some tiny bit of preparation, I thought would be helpful to new parents and prospective parents. For sure. I mean, part of the reason I started this podcast is because as my kids got older, I had more questions. I felt like until they were that like, I don't know, three probably, when they really mm -hmm. had the attitude and like, you know, you really, this is like, we're dealing with some real big emotions here. That's when I started being mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh. And same thing, like I couldn't find what I was looking for. I mean, writing a book. That's a lot more work than like hosting a weekly podcast. I mean, as far as like getting that project done, you know, but mm -hmm. I do feel that there's a lot of power in creating something that you're looking for when you can't find it. Um, Absolutely. Okay. One last thing. And we're going to close up here. How do you define connected discipline? I would define it as prioritizing your relationship with your child over their compliance okay I like that and putting your relationship with your child first and foremost okay well I feel like I have learned a lot and already grown as a parent just from this like 40 minutes that we've had together so thank you for that thank you what a lovely compliment uh and people can get your book in November right it comes out November 2021 Yes, November 16th. Okay, that's so exciting. 
Yes, I'm very excited. Um, hit me up when that happens and maybe we can do like an Instagram live or something to like 10 minutes to like get people excited about it. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Um, all right, Lindsay, what is something... Every time I ask this question, like the guest I'm talking to just did something really big. She wrote a book. But what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Yes. Uh, so my background, my very early background and what made me passionate about working with children is in camp. I actually met my husband at summer camp. Oh, cool. Summer camp counselors. And so that is something I've always been passionate about. And I have a dream of one day starting a camp nonprofit for specialty camps. So each week would be focused on a different population, like kids with autism or um, kids who are gender creative or transgendered or LGBTQ or adoption, basically gathering kiddos that have something in common that often makes them feel different. Mm. And then giving them the experience of being surrounded by kids who are the same as them in that way. Wow. And that is, I started looking into it a couple years ago, but then pandemic hit. And I was like, this is not the time. <laughs> wow. I love that. That's a big dream. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. big stuff. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Okay. I couldn't pick just one because I good. I read so many. Um, I picked a nonfiction and a fiction. Love it. <laughs> So for nonfiction, I just finished uh, the new book, What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Oh, is it good? Excellent. Oh, yeah. I've been recommending it to all of my parents. I think we're actually probably going to require our parents to read it soon. It is it is the best trauma primer for like lay people that I've I've ever read. And even as someone, you know, I eat, sleep and breathe trauma in my job. Um, I learn new things reading it. So it's very readable. I've also heard the audiobook is excellent because it's styled as a conversation between Dr. Perry and Oprah. Uh, so good, good stuff. Oh, I'm excited. Also, for those who were intrigued by the um, reflecting on your own parenting and how that affects, you know, you parenting your kids, also a good read for that. Okay. Love it. And then um, for my fiction book, I just re- reread uh, The Proposal by Jasmine Guillory. I love anything by her. Um, I've been on a real romance kick since the pandemic. Okay, I'm writing just that down. Just like... Give me, give me some witty dialogue and a happy ending. Yes. I love, um, I love Emily Giffen books for that. Just Mm -hmm. like, just totally Mm -hmm. mindless, lose yourself in it. Also watching Virgin River, which also gives me that fix. And I heard there was a book series on that show. So do you have any shows? I have to check that out. Yeah. Like, do you have any shows that you're binging or that you find enjoyable to escape to? Yes, I just I just watched the last Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, so isn't that sad when you finish a series? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also anyone that has kids will find this enjoyable. I'm watching um, a sitcom called Life in Pieces. Okay, it is a um, each episode is four short stories, and it's about like a bigger family. So there's like mom and dad, and they have three adult children, and each child has a family. Um, and it is very funny. It reminds me a little bit of like modern family, Uh except it's scripted, but it's like comedy just about like 
the everyday silliness of families. What is that on? Hulu. Okay. I'm going to check that out. It's very funny. Wow. Okay. I'm really excited about the book (laughs) and the show. Uh, Do you have a trip that you have taken with your family or that you want to take with your family that you would recommend? Oh, you're hard. You're at a hard time because one in with three. With kids or without kids. Right. Well, you could do both. I mean, we didn't start really doing trips until like two years ago. And that's because our older kids were older. We still had kind of little ones. But when we just had little kids, I was like, meh, meh. We are go to um, every year. My mom and stepmom go to uh, Destin, Florida. So that's been kind of our kid trip. Yeah. We- actually just got back oh, this fun. weekend um and it, i mean the kids have fun but it's just exhausting it's so much exhausting. work mm-hmm. what yes. okay what's a non-kid trip non-kid um probably my favorite trip we ever went on my husband and i um both love germany he did study abroad there and i my family has german roots and i'm i've always been into that um before we had kids um this is actually in my book of like make a list of the things you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, right before we started trying, um, we did a like um, a tour of Germany where we started north and worked our way down south um, during Christmas time, and we visited five or six cities and uh, hit up all the Christmas markets oh, in each of those cities, and that was awesome. I loved it so much. That sounds very lovely. It's beautiful, snowy and cold and Ugh. twinkle lights. Yeah. Um, do you have a kids book that you recommend? Yes. I also picked two for this. I cannot Perfect. I cannot just pick one book. Books are the best. Um The Rabbit Listened is one of my favorites. Um, I can't remember the author, but it's just very it's a beautiful story about exploring your feelings and how sometimes someone just being there with you can be the best thing when you're struggling. Um, and the illustrations are beautiful. I just really like it. Uh, we also just got a book called, uh, we listen to our bodies, um, as having a three-year-old, uh, we've been talking a lot about body boundaries Uh and body autonomy, especially with younger, younger sibling of like, you cannot just grab their body. Uh, and I really, that has been a really good book to help us with that, but it's also, um, has a lot of validating emotions and I love, there's a variety of, um, kids of different colors in it. Okay. The main character, um, looks like she is black, but, um, there's a variety, some diversity. And I also love, it's like preschool age. There is, um, a scene where they ask all the kids to choose a favorite thing in the classroom and then come to circle time. And one of the little boys chooses um, some like sparkly purple shoes. So um, we're very like, I do not like gender boxes, try to keep that open-ended for our kids. So I love that just like tiny example just worked into the story of like, this is a normal thing that boys can do yeah, because they can also like sparkly purple things. Yes. And that is fun. <laughs> so um Really good book and part of a new series that I think is coming out. I'll be buying the future ones for sure. Well, that makes sense why in mm-hmm. your email you mentioned the Dr. Christina Brown interview. Yes. <laughs> On- yes. I, honestly, I love that interview and her book was so fantastic. I 
had like a tiny panic attack when I found out I was having a boy because I was like, how do I do this? I'm a girl. I know how girls do the thing. Yeah. And I knew that I didn't want to raise my children with gender boxes, but I didn't really know how to go about that. And her book is the only book I've ever found that just lays out like, here is how you do this. And also here's all the research behind it so that when people question you, you can argue with them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah. Her book is good and very informative. Um, okay. What's our last message that we want to leave with the audience today? Yes. I want to leave with the audience that the parenting world is going to try to get you to focus only on your kids. You know, that's the message that it gives us. Focus on your kids. Sacrifice. Your kids come first. Always the kids. But the real secret of parenting is that in order to be a good parent, you always have to start with yourself. You have to start with your history, your needs, because we all know we're not taking care of our needs. We're not doing, we're not at the top of our game (laughs) as parents. What you're bringing to the table when you're interacting with your children because all of it affects you and then therefore is going to affect your children and how you interact with them. That's good. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Lindsay, for coming on the show. You all can find Lindsay on social media. She is Lindsay with an A-Y, Garrett, L-C-S-W.com. That's her website. You can find her on Instagram, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, C-M Garrett. And definitely go check out her website because you're going to want to order the book she has coming out. It sounds really good. All right. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm LindsayHine626 over there. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? Make sure you're following along with the other Sandy Boy Productions shows that are in the network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. That is my running podcast where I interview professional and everyday runners. We also have the Urban Pharmacy, a holistic and business mindset podcast, as well as the Illuminate podcast, which shares stories of people doing really great work in the world. Our fifth podcast in the network is actually taking a break right now as that host just got a new job and we are so excited for her. Lauren Flores, she's the new head coach at Pepperdine College for cross country and track. So really proud of her and excited about that opportunity for her. So currently they are taking a break though, so she can focus on getting started there. All right, friends, thanks for being here. I appreciate you so much. And leave us a quick rating and review if you enjoyed this show. I think we're at like 93 right now. That would be really cool to get over 100 for this show. Um, All right. Have a great day. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling? Next Tuesday.